Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, I'm going to date you guys just a little bit, and I don't mean take you out on a date, so don't look at me that way. I'm going to date you by, how many of you remember the song that came out kind of late 80s, and it used to, and it was called, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Do you guys remember that song? Even, yeah, most of us in here do. I think, um, I think Mel was singing it the other day in, in, in worship. I'm not, I'm not sure, but um, a, a fella by the name of Bobby McFerrin released this in the summer of 88. What I found interesting is this is the first song a cappella to reach number one? I mean, there was no, uh, there was no instruments. He would just, he would just sing it, and it, and it held the number one position for two weeks. Everybody in 1988 were singing it. Now, Linda wasn't here. Okay, she wasn't born in 88. But you, do you know that song, Linda? Have you heard that? Okay, you know. Okay, because Linda's like, I wasn't even born. Hey. I'm a 2000 baby kind of thing, you know, but, but this was in 88, okay, and um, it was actually taken, this song was taken uh, from a famous quote by Mehar, his name is Mehar Baba, can you imagine, how would you like to be named Mehar Baba, you know, and here's, here's what he did, Mehar, Mehar Baba would always, he would always, uh, in his correspondence, he would always end with a quote, well, no matter what he did, he would end with a quote, right? And he would use many variations of the quote. You go, well, like what, Ben? Well, he would say at the end of this, like, do your best. Or he would quote, like, don't worry, be happy in my love. And then he says, or I will help you. Whatever he would, he would use this. Well, Bobby McFerrin got this. He says, hey, I need to, I need to make a song about it, right? And, and, and labor with me for just a moment, okay? Now, the tune is already in your head. I get it. I'm sorry. You're going to be at lunch going... You're going to be thinking about that song, okay? He, here's what he says. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Now, you guys tell me. Don't worry. You guys, right? Exactly. And then he says, in every life, we have trouble. When you worry, you make it double. Oh, come on, guys. Everybody's watching. Don't worry. Be happy. Okay, I'm going to try one more. But come on. This is interaction here, right? Where else at Calvary can you sing a Bobby McFerrin song? Here we go. One more. Ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Very good. Finally. But I know what you're thinking. You go, what's that? What does this song have to do with Matthew chapter 6? You ready? Nothing. Except I entitled the message, Don't Worry, Be Happy, because Jesus really does have a lot to say about worry. He really does. See, today, you and I, we discover that Jesus, as he's preaching his sermon, guys, the main theme of what he's saying is don't worry. And I guess I, I look at this and I go, it's easier said than done. You ever, whenever you've been super anxious and somebody goes, hey, don't worry, you go, don't worry, don't worry, are you kidding me? You don't understand what I'm... And, and it's easier said than done, except when Jesus says it, he knows what he's talking about. We understand, guys, that Jesus uses it four times in nine verses. Four times in nine verses, and my assumption is that we over-worry. Any over-worriers here? Well, yeah, some of us have the gift, but some of us over-worry. Listen, i got to tell you the truth. My father was a very gifted worrier. He really was. I had one time, uh, several years back, went to Israel. Now, I didn't tell my dad I was getting on a plane and leaving the United States because he would... Exactly. And he was old, and I didn't want him to worry. The problem is, is that he kept trying to call me, and I wouldn't answer, which made him. So finally, from Israel, I had to call him and tell him where I was. And sometimes we think we're doing good, but it, he was just, and, and I, I really inherited that gift. I did. I'm that person that goes, okay, call me when you get there. Call me when you're about to come home. And when I don't hear from you, I imagine every possible scenario 
until you walk in that door. And then when you walk in that door and you're safe and sound, I get mad. What did you do? Okay? So I'm, I'm an over-worrier, right? It's, it's like one of those meetings. Hi, my name is Ben. Hi, Ben. I'm an over-worrier. Here we go. Now, as I was thinking about worry, I found a quote. A quote that really sums up worry, okay? It says this, quote, Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere, end quote. Isn't it true? You know what came to mind when I thought about this, Eva? I thought about a treadmill, right? When you're on the treadmill, you run and run and sweat and panic and can't breathe, and you still don't go anywhere. A treadmill. Okay, now, maybe Bobby McFerrin's song does remind us that we do worry a lot. You go, yeah. We worry about things such as money. I think we all worry about money. I think we worry about things such as, oh, food. Okay, I know that when COVID hit, it got me a little worried when the shelves were empty of stuff. It was just a weird feeling. I know we worry about clothing, and so I thought, well, if we worry about food and clothing and and money, what else do we worry about? So I went on the internet real quick, guys, and I found the top 10 things we worry about. Okay, maybe not you, but let me just kind of give them to you. Okay, top, top 10 things. If we had a drop, top 10 things. You go, what is it? The number 10, Mike, you'll like this. We worry about politics. We worry about politics because politics will eventually affect us. Amen? So the number 10 thing that people worry about is politics. Now, I know there's people here and there's people watching online or people that are going to hear this later go, I don't worry about politics. They're a bunch of whatever they want to use. I get that. But number nine says that we worry about everyday spending. You go, what's that? Food, entertainment, shoes. We worry about those things. Some of you go, I don't worry about food or entertainment or spending. That's, eh. Check this out. Number eight. You know what we worry about? Number eight, death. Now, I thought that would be number one, but it's not. Okay? So we don't worry too much about dying, possibly because statistics say 10 out of 10 people die. Okay? (laughs) So I guess it's like, why worry about it? We're going to die? Uh, when is it going to be? I don't know. Number eight, that tripped me out. Number seven, guess what we worry about? This is what they said, impressing other people. We worry about impressing other people. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> hey, what do you think? All right? I don't know. Number six, we worry about, come on now, paying bills. Paying bills. Now, sometimes we take the little plastic card and we go, hey, I want it now. And then we don't realize that we have to pay for it later. Paying bills. Can you imagine? Number five, we worry about car maintenance. Okay, gals, how many of you really worry about car maintenance? Okay, you do? You do? Okay, do you worry about car maintenance? There you go. There, see, you worry about it. Oh, how, we got to fix the car. Got to gotta have gas. My wife goes in there and says, honey, my car's on E. Okay. I know what that means. Okay. Got to go, got to go put gas. Now, ladies, let me say this. When you put gas in the car and you're already at the gas pump, fill it up. Don't just put $5. That's my own thing. I I digress. Some people just go and they go, I would say, look, you're already there. You're already touching the germs. Fill it up. (laughs) <laughs> Don't judge. Number four, people worry about family problems. Family problems. Okay, I get that. Number three, this is bona fide. Now we're getting to the top top three that people worry about. Money, job security, and pay raises. So what we worry about. Am I making enough money? Am, do I have will I have a job next week? Now, there's one person in this room that's never worried about jobs in his life. And he always seems to get good ones. But anyways, I won't tell you who that is. Number two, we worry about traffic. We are about traffic. Uh, we don't live in a big city, so, I mean, I don't know about traffic, but 
but people do. That's number two. Now, number one, check this out. The number one thing we worry about, weight and appearance. Weight and appearance. Okay? So we worry about our weight, but we also worry about appearance. And what I found interesting about our appearance is I think about nowadays, almost everybody has a walk-in closet. Right? And you know what the most common phrase is? I don't have anything to wear. You're in a walk-in closet. I don't have anything to wear. I guess we worry about that. Okay? Or we worry about, right? What do we worry? Does this make me look, and I won't say it. Okay? I won't say it. Right. And I always say, no, baby, you got to be fat to look fat, baby. You look great. Ooh, yeah. Those are the top ten things. Worry. Now, according to the Internet, which take it for what it's worth, we worry about a lot of things. We worry about a lot of things. And Jesus knows right now as he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount that we're upside down. We're upside down, and when we worry... That if we're wanting to go higher, it's going to be certain death because we're upside down. So higher actually means we're going to crash and burn. The more we worry, guys, the more anxiety, stress is going to, is going to just rip us up on the inside. And so Jesus knows this. And so on our list, guess what? The number three thing we worry about is money, money. And that's where Jesus starts. That's where he wants to talk about. It's going to talk about your money. Now, let me set the stage, okay? Jesus is teaching from a mountain in Israel. He gathers, who guys help me out? His disciples, you, his disciples, okay? Now, the religious people are always chasing Jesus. They want to hear what he says, but they don't want to be part of the group. So they'll come and they'll listen. So, But they're still listening, the religious people. But he gets his disciples and he begins his sermon. And he starts with the picture of kingdom life. We call it the Beatitudes. Okay? And then he moves to the precepts of kingdom life. You go, Ben, what does that mean? It means there are rules as disciples of personal conduct. In other words, this is how we should behave as disciples. A lot, of time, a lot of people say, I got saved, I can do whatever I want. No, no, no. You realize that as disciples, there are, there are rules that you should behave from the king. This is how we, and this is what he said, this is how I want to teach you. And so the last two weeks, here's what we've been doing, guys. The Lord has been teaching us about the practice of kingdom life. And last week, that was a good one. We talked about giving. And if you're new to Calvary Chapel, we don't preach about giving unless it's in the scripture. Okay? That's who, that's what we do. We also talked about praying and we talked about fasting. Now, let me ask you this. Last week I called for an all church fast. And I asked for every one of us to fast something. Fast internet, fast your phone, fast coffee, fast a meal, fast just to pray for those that are hurting. It wasn't so that we would, well, look at us, we're fasting, we're a fasting church, but so that we could hear the voice of God and we could draw closer to him. Okay, question, question. This cape popped in my mind. There are two groups of people, okay, that go on vacation. Two groups of people. There are, let's call them the road trippers, Road trip people don't know where they're going. They don't want to know anything. They just, they're just fly by the seat of their pants. They don't want to know the destination. They don't want to know. They're just, let's go. Road trippers. Okay. Then we have the planners. Do I have any planners in here? Planners are, I know where we're going. I know where we're going to stop. I know what we're going to do. I know what's going to be there. I want to know all of the amenities when we get to vacation. We have planners. Amen. The problem is, is that, guys, when it comes to the Word of God, I want to be a planner, okay? I don't want to go to heaven and not know what to expect. I don't want to be like, where's God, and what am I going to do here, and what's up? I want to be his disciple to where I know the heart of the Lord. Oh, oh, the the trip itself? That's exciting, because it's like road tripping. It's like, God, it's exciting. What am I going to do? This is cool. Oh, you used me. Oh, amen. But... I want to know the heart of my Jesus. I want to know who's gone before me. 
I want to see them. But I want to know my Jesus. I want to know, where? where's my God? Where is he? It's like everything your word said. Hey, there's Elijah. Check him out. He's like, oh, wow, you guys. The point is, that's what he's talking about. So today, today, guys, Jesus, our Jesus is going to talk a little bit more about money, and he's going to talk about worry. Okay? So, Pastor, are you telling me that Jesus said, don't worry, be happy? Is that what Jesus said? Not at all. Not at all. But the theme of the Word of God is when it when it comes to worry, here's what Jesus is saying. Jot this down. Don't worry, be holy. This is what he's going to say. He's not going to tell you, don't worry, be happy. He's going to say, don't worry, be holy. This is what he's saying. Okay? Why? Why is he going to say this? Well, before we jump in, let me give you just a couple of observations so you understand where we're at, okay? Many people struggle with materialism. Money Magazine has declared money is now the number one obsession in America. Newsweek actually reports that we've achieved a new plane of consciousness called transcendental acquisition. You go, what does that mean? A recent cover story quotes a woman who is saddled in or saddled with debt. And by the way, check this out. Did you know that the average credit card holder has over $8,100 in credit card debt right now? Well, this woman from Dallas recently charged a diving trip to the East, uh, French East Indies. Instead of trying to break free from the credit card drug, as if she's given it up when she says, quote, I've spoiled myself and I can't change my habits, unquote. So again, think about this. This is, this is kind of where America's at, right? And Jesus realizes that most people struggle with managing money. That's why he devoted much of his teaching to this critical area of life. I think it's important we understand this, right? He dealt with money matters because money matters. Now, that's where we pick up our teaching today. Look with me, guys, at verse 19 in your Bible. Jesus starts out, remember, he's teaching, and he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, nor where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wow, look at these three verses. It is power-packed. Why? Jesus begins telling us, guys, don't store up treasures here on earth. And you all go, why? Well, Captain Obvious says, guys, number one, moths can go mum and eat them. Moths can, and, and again, think about this. I remember growing up way back in the 70s, and if you went into the closet, it smelled funny. Eva knows what I'm talking about. Mothballs, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess if you like that smell, you would be on uh, Strange Obsessions or something like that. But uh, anyways, they would put mothballs in the closet so your so moths wouldn't eat. Now, I don't know how long your clothes have to stay in the closet, Eva, so moths would eat them. But we would put mothballs in there, especially in, in, in everything else, right? So Jesus says, hey, don't stir up for so, so moths would eat that. Okay. He says, oh, by the way, and, and where rust can destroy it. Rust can destroy it. Or he says, where thieves can break in and steal it. This is why we shouldn't store up treasures on earth. This is why he says this. Now, the ancient Greek, more literature says this, do not treasure for yourself treasures on earth. The idea is that earthly treasure is temporary and fading, but heavenly treasure is secure. Now, listen, listen, listen. To lay up for yourselves treasure on earth is also to doom yourself to a life of frustration 
and emptiness. That's what he's saying. See, regarding material things, what's he telling us? The secret to happiness is not more, but it's contentment. Are you content with what you have? Are you content with your home? Are you content with all the things that you have? Contentment. Now, again, think about this. In a 1992 survey, people were asked how much money one would have to make to have the American dream. Now, again, this has changed already in 30 years, but 1992. And and here's the survey that I found. Those earning $25,000 or less said, in order to have the American dream, I would need to make at least 54000 Now, you guys are looking at me funny because 54000 in 2021 is not a lot of money anymore. It, it used to be in 92, and it's just like, are you kidding me? Okay? But they asked those who were making 100000 and they said, you know what the American dream would buy? I would need to make 192000 So basically, these figures indicate that typically, uh, a typical thinker would, would, would have to double their income in order to find the good life. If I could just make double my income, that's always great. But the Apostle Paul, guys, had the right idea when he wrote to Timothy. First Timothy chapter six, verse six, he says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness. If we strove, if we strived for godliness as much as we do for money. Now, listen, don't be, I'm not the bad guy, the money bad guy. Well, pastor said we can have a raise. I'm not saying don't go for a raise and don't make money. You gotta provide for your families. You gotta make the money. But when you, when you make it your God, that's when it gets dangerous. When you make it your God. This is what he's saying. Godliness. Guys, we should be pursuing godliness with contentment. With contentment. I wish I was there. I wish I was, I would, I would see things through God's eyes that, that when little things happen with our material things that I realize that it's an opportunity to meet new people and share the gospel instead of being mad that my, or something broke, or something didn't break. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, my car broke, I just got a stupid car, I can't believe. Instead of going, wow, I trust you, Lord, I trust you. So my question is, for all of us, how much do we really trust God in everyday life? Every Everything that he's given us, how much do we really trust him? And when things happen, we go, oh, well, things break, that's okay. What does God want to do with this? Well, Ben, you don't understand. Because when my refrigerator breaks, I don't have six, seven, eight hundred dollars to buy a refrigerator. Who does? But think about it like this. Think about it like this. One night I was sitting watching TV, and the kids were a little bit littler. I mean, they were they weren't little, they were teenagers almost. And they opened the refrigerator and they said, hey, dad, this isn't cold. What? I'm going to go see this, you know. And I opened the refrigerator and, and it, was, it was lukewarm in there. Everything was starting. I was like, oh, no. So what do I do? I pull the refrigerator out, get my hammer, bang it a couple of times. Didn't work. Didn't work. It wouldn't work. It was broken. Now, we had just we had just started the church. We 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 didn't have five hundred dollars. We just didn't. And so I went into planning mode. Dun 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 dun. dun. I started thinking maybe I could rent to own one. Maybe I have. Maybe there's a used one out there. Whatever. Oh, but if I get a used one, then it's going to be. My, if that has problems, oh my goodness. So, long story short, how's God going to how's God going to do this? How's He going to show up? I don't know. I don't have a refrigerator. I need a refrigerator. I've got two girls. I got a refrigerator. We got to have food. Food's in the refrigerator. We don't know what to do. So I talked to Nathalie, and here Nathalie, I go, okay, so what are we going to do? She goes, well, if we don't pay this, and 
We have, we fudge here, and I have Google here. I got we've got we can we can scrape. Up, anybody know how to do? It? We scrape up enough money, we can buy one. Okay, so we're robbing Peter to pay Paul, and it's not going to be good. But we need a refrigerator, so we go down to Lowe's and we pick one out. Okay, I think this one will look nice. This is okay. We'll we'll, we'll take this one. How much is it? It's four ninety nine. Blah blah blah. Okay, so right, you take your change jar kind of thing. Pay for it, put it in the truck, bring it home. As I'm installing it, my garage door's open. As I'm installing it in the house, right, tearing off the boxes, a brother from the body drives by. True story. True story. A brother drives by, notices my garage door's open, lights are on, got everything else, right? Comes to the door, knocks on the door, hey, Pastor Man, what are you doing? Oh, you know, tell him the story. Get this in and, and refrigerator. It's about eight o'clock dark. There he goes. You know, it's funny, but the Lord had put this on my heart for you. He said, "I just hadn't had a chance to give it to you." Here you go. He hands me an envelope. Guess how much was in there? Exactly for the refrigerator. Guys, we worry over things, but God is bigger. God is bigger, guys. And we should strive for what? For godliness. But here's what I want you to do. I want to show you something if you don't mind. Okay? If you'll jot this down, it'll be very important. You go, what's that? Would you jot down the word awareness? Awareness? Somewhere in your Bible, just awareness. You go, why? Because I think this is, this is a key word here. This is awareness. You go, what do you mean? Okay, listen to me. Listen. Awareness drives us to becoming discontent. Awareness. You guys know what I'm talking about, okay? Somebody pulls up in a brand new vehicle. What happens? You become aware. Wow. Well, hey, bro, hey, I'm happy for you. Wow. What year is that? Oh, 2021? Wow. How much did you pay for it? You know, we go through the whole thing. But all of a sudden, we're, we're aware. Okay? We're aware of new cars. We're aware of new houses. You got a new house? You bought a new house? You bought a, you didn't tell us you bought a new house. Okay? So what does it do, guys? Awareness, um, drives us to becoming discontent. All of a sudden, you look at your car. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> Ten minutes ago, you were fine with your car. But now, well, well, maybe I'll go trade this in. Because, because you're discontent. So what does discontentment do? It fuels our desire to have more treasures here on earth. It fuels our desires to go, man, I want that. But here's what it does, guys. It it always leaves us empty and sad. We have to get to the point where godliness goes, you got a brand new car? Jim, that's awesome. Praise God. High five. Boom. Amen. And then you get in your car and you hit the dashboard. You say, I love you. You start up. You take me where I need to go. Amen. That's where we need to get. I'll... I'll guarantee you this, a hundred years from now, nobody's going to care what you drove today. But godliness is what they're going to remember in your life. And so again, think about it, guys. I want you to remember that statement. Awareness drives us, right? Awareness drives us to becoming discontent, but discontentment fuels our desire to have more treasures here on earth. It fuels it. But it leaves us empty. Why? Because it's never, it's never enough. It's never enough. Okay, I don't like that Calvary Chapel because you guys are telling us that we can't have nice stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, guys, be careful. Jesus is saying, don't store up for treasures here. Don't put your tent pegs too deep here. Be content with what you have. You know what I found? is that when I get fully content with what God's giving me on earth, He gives me more. He does. He blesses my socks off, man. Oh, Lord, I'm, 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 I, 
you're amazing, you're amazing. And all of a sudden, it's like, boom, boom. Guys, let me illustrate it this way. You can listen, or I think um, Josh has it up on board. Matthew chapter 19, we'll study this a little bit later on, but I just want to illustrate it there. Notice verse 16 with me. I'm going to use a New Living Translation. It says, uh, someone came to Jesus with this question, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. He goes, which ones? And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not uh, testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. The guy replies, I've obeyed all these commandments uh, Basically, I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. He goes, what else must I do? I bet Jesus smiled at this time. He's like, really? You obeyed all those? I just went over. And anyways, he says, okay, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. He says, then come follow me. But the young man, when he heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I'll tell you the truth. It's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Guys, think about that. The possessions had possessed him so much that when he said, you want eternal life, go do this. He goes, no. And he went away sad from Jesus. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that he repented and he sold his stuff and he followed Jesus. But the text doesn't tell us that, does it? Let me ask you this. What possession are you going to hold on to when you're taking your final breath on earth? What possession? Give me my golf clubs. Let me hold on to my clubs. Those are my clubs. Or whatever it might be. We're not going to do that. Because in the morning when we rise, just give us Jesus. When we come to that, give us Jesus. That's And again, guys, what what possession? Pastor Ben, I don't like this sermon because you're telling me that I can't have stuff. No, I'm saying don't let your possessions possess you. Don't let them hold you so tight that, again, you're being squeezed. You're being squeezed. Why? Because awareness drives us to being discontent. If you're discontent, you're probably looking at what everybody else has and not saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you do have. Well, I don't have a house like you. That's okay. God knows. Well, I don't have a truck like you. God knows. Well, I don't have this. But you do have. You do have. I don't want to be discontent. Why? Because it fuels my desire to, well, to go into debt. It fuels my desire. Got to be careful, church. Because the Lord said, for where your treasure is, there's where your heart will be also, where your treasure is. So what, you should, what should you do? Well, guys, think about that. Think about that. Where you're, and here's what we should notice. Wealth enslaves the heart. Wealth enslaves the heart. I love that there are many people who have lots of money and they give it away and they just, it, doesn't, it doesn't possess them. They're, they're giving to charities and they're giving to churches and they're, hey, praise God, take it. Yeah. I love that. What scares me is that those of us who don't have that money will, will allow it to enslave us if we got it. Guys, do you realize how many people play the lottery in hopes to win millions? There's not a whole lot of us that play it. Now, I don't play it, but... But there's not a whole lot of us that play it for fun. Oh, if I win, I win. Every, every dollar spent is, if I could just win that million, if I could win that two million, you know what would be? I would be happy. I would just be happy. Everything would be taken care of. Everything will be taken care of. But here's what the text says. If God is the treasure of our souls and our hearts, then our affections and desires will be placed on things above. An earthly-minded man proves his treasure is below. A heavenly-minded man shows that his treasure is above. Is above. Let me, let me illustrate it this way to you guys. 
My granddaughter is seven years old. And the amount of toys that I have bought her in seven years could have paid for probably a trip to Hawaii. You know what I'm talking about? She's got a lot of toys. But the point is, is that that's money. It's gone. I don't, it doesn't bother me. You know what the, and, 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 and this is the truth. If, if Nathalie was sitting here, she used to get home, come home and be, she would tell me, would you please stop buying her toys? She doesn't need it. And what I would try to explain to Nathalie, it wasn't the toys, it was the process of her and grandpa buying the toys that she's going to remember. And it would be $2, it would be $4, it didn't matter. But, oh, this is what me and grandpa do. This is what me and grandpa, and it's the, and again, the $2 or the $4, I would have used it for something else. But we're creating memory. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. Set our treasure. Listen, how can we create a memory? A memory. So, now, Jesus changes direction. Okay? He's going to change his direction in teaching. He begins teaching us, but he says, wealth, listen, wealth not only enslaves the heart, but it also enslaves the mind. You go, how so? Well, look at verse 22. This is great teaching, guys. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye, and therefore your eye is good. Your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Therefore, the light that is in you is darkness. How great is that darkness? Now, if you and I read this, we go, huh? Lord, couldn't you just say it's simple? Well, here's, here's where he's going, okay? God's word often used the eye, look at me, to represent the attitudes of our mind, okay? So, so this is the attitude. This is how we think. This is our attitude, okay? He says, if your eye is properly focused, your mind's attitude, he says, then you're going to function great in everything you're going to do. You're going to provide for your family and you're going to give money away. You're going to bless people and it's going to be amazing. He says, but if the eye is out of focus and seeing double, he says, it usually results in unsteady movements. Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that make sense? Here's why. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but I wear contact lenses. Or glasses, but mostly contact lenses. If I were to take off my contact lenses, I would see objects, but I probably couldn't drive home. Okay? And you go, what's the point? I would probably bump into things. It would be really hard and really stressful. That's what he's saying. Guys, when we're not focused, when we can't see, this is how life is. This is the attitude of the mind. We're, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, I see a lot of blue things. Who is that? You know, that sort of thing. Okay? But when I put on my lenses and I can see, I can drive good, I can see people, my life is, help me church, balanced. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, let's check our attitudes because if we're not focused, if all of our treasures are being placed on earth, everything, oh, and I want this and I want that, and I don't want just a 48-inch TV, I want an 8,500, you know, whatever it might be, or I don't want just this, I want this, and I want... And, and, and my car is not 70, you know, 7,000, it's 78,000, and all, I mean, it, we could get way off balance. And then we're off balance. Our biggest problem, church, when it comes to money and worry and all these things, is this. You go, what's that? Is that, again, discontentment is going to breed things that we're not happy with what we have or what we can afford. We're not happy with what we, well, and we start looking at what other people have. Well, why does, there was, there was one time, there was one time. Do you remember this, Soph? Do you remember? So remembers, okay? He invited us over to us. It was Christmas, okay? And he was keeping a friend's motorcycle in his garage. And I went in, and he was like, yeah. And I went in his garage, like, so you have a motorcycle? And he's just laughing at me. I got all envious and aware. He had a motorcycle. He didn't tell me we could be right. I didn't have. And he's like, dude, calm down. It's not mine. I'm just story. And I was like, oh, I knew it all the time. Kidding me? <laughs> Awareness, you guys understand, right? That's what we do. 
Now, he doesn't know this, but I was already thinking, how do I tell Natalie I'm on a motorcycle? How do I, get, how do I tell her I'm on a motorcycle? I'm on a motorcycle. That's a nice motorcycle. Did I need a motorcycle? You remember that. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Okay? For he will either hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. Now, here's what he says. Look at him. And he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Let me just, let me just clarify this. You cannot serve God and money. That's what he's saying. He says, he says, check about it. He goes, none of us can serve two masters. You go, amen. What's he saying? Well, think about it, guys. You cannot serve God and try to serve riches. He's told us right here. He says, you will either hate one and love the other, or you will despise one. How many people despise the Lord in their hearts because they're trying to make that almighty dollar Okay, how many people despise the Lord and they say, God won't let me, people at church keep calling me, where am I? Oh, I'm working on Sunday. Don't. And they, they really get upset because they want to make a little bit extra, a little bit extra, a little bit extra. Listen, and I'm not talking about I've got a job and they ask me to work on occasional Sunday. What I'm saying is people who go, listen, I'll work seven days a week, 24-7, whatever it takes, because I want to be rich. I want to be rich. I want to be rich. Guys, Jesus says you can't do that. You cannot serve God and money. Money is simply a tool that God uses. It's a tool. It's a tool. We cannot. We cannot. I think about ancient Israel. Do you guys remember how they struggled with idolatry? Do you remember that? And they thought they could worship God and the God of Baal. Do you remember that? We, 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 we could do both. We, we could do both. God's like, no, you can't worship Baal and because you would always forsake me. He says, you're going to be loyal to one and despise the other. And then he says, but listen, let's talk about God and money. You can't do both. You can't do both. Pastor, is it wrong to have money? It's not wrong to have money. And you might be here and you might be plus six million in the bank. It's not wrong to have money. It's when you make that your God. This is what Jesus is saying. He says that's money. So what should we do with our money? You ready? Give it away. Give it away. Bless people. Have fun. Bless people. Give it away. Give it away. You know what a thief will do? If a thief knows you have a lot of valuables in your house, he'll break in. When he knows you have nothing in your house, he leaves your house alone. What does he have? They don't have anything. Man, for the longest time, no kidding, we used to have a 19-inch TV in our cabinet. 19-inch. We finally got too old where we couldn't see it anymore, so we had to get a bigger one. You understand, the eyes go... And I was like, and, and, and they would, people would come over and laugh at me. Well, at least get a 27 inch. I said, but nobody's going to break in and steal my 19 inch from, you know, t- color TV. Right? <laughs> nobody's going to steal that. Be careful. So he goes, he talks about money, and he talked about perspective, right? Attitude of our hearts and our minds. And now he's going to talk about worry. Okay? You ready? So here's what he's saying. Don't worry, be holy. Look at verse 25. Therefore, Jesus says, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Question mark. Now listen, if awareness drives us to discontentment, which fuels covetousness, now covetousness will not only cheapen what our riches, but it'll also cheapen us. And you go, how so? Well, we start, guys, we become worried and anxious, and anxiety is unnatural and unspiritual. The person who pursues money and riches and all of these things, thinking it'll solve his problems, guys, they help him become satisfied. In reality, riches often create 
more problems and money. If you don't believe me, go on the internet and check about all the people who have won the lottery, the big lottery, and how many of them were, were totally have a great marriage family, and they win this $80 million, and it's more, you've got to worry about people. All of a sudden, you have people coming out the door. Hey, hey, I'm your lost long uncle, cousin. Can I borrow five grand? Every one of them. Every one of them. Guys, you can't go to the, oh, that's that guy. He's, you got to be careful. you got to be careful. Jesus says, guys, here's some great advice. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Let me just say this. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're more valuable. But he says, guys, have you ever seen birds? Have you ever seen birds in your yard? Okay. How many of you have ever seen a bird go, and he's carrying in his wings like this? Oh, I got to save. Oh, my goodness. (sighs) Store up. No, they don't, do they? They don't. God is so good. This illustrated, in my backyard, we have a pear tree in my backyard. And there's all these pears that are half-eaten. The squirrels are eating them. The birds are eating them. You understand that, right? there. God feeds them. They're not worried. They're not worried. Right? He says, your heavenly Father feeds. So, aren't you more valuable than a bird? Hopefully, you're smarter because I've had some birds hit my window. Boom. Dodo bird, you know? (laughs) It's sitting there going, oh, I didn't see that. It's a window. But he doesn't store. You're more valuable. Oh, by the way, verse 27. Which one of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to his stature? You go, I'm not sure what that means. Well, think about this. There's two scenarios, okay? By worrying, how he's saying, how many of you can grow taller? Now, listen, some of you have the gift of worry, and if you could grow taller, you'd be 10 feet tall. That's how much you worry. Okay? Hey, what are you doing? Just worried. But here's what it literally means. It means by worrying, you can't add length to your life. You can't add length to your life. You can't. And, and, and Amanda's doing this, and you guys are doing this, and we go, amen. But then we still worry. It's weird, because we can't add. <sighs> Think about this. He says, verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? He says, you worry about clothes? Now, let me just say this. Some of you should worry about clothes, okay? I mean, Consider the lilies. That was a joke, okay? So it's okay. Just talking about your style, just saying. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. He says, they neither toil nor spin. And yet, I say that even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, God, so, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Here it is again. He says, because worrying won't make me taller, it won't help me live longer. He says, guys, think about it, even with clothing. He says, why are we worrying about that? Why are we worried about that? Look at verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? So he says, don't worry about it. Say that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Why? He says this, For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows what you, that you have need of these things. And you go, well, I'm not sure because we're all Gentiles. Well, here's what he's saying, guys. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Unbelievers are worried about what they're going to eat, what they're going to do. Now listen, and on, on, on television, there's a, there's a show called Dooms, Doomsday Preppers. Anybody seen that? Doomsday Preppers? And it's on Quest. You've seen it, right? And these guys are just, they're spending thousands and thousands and thousands ready for Doomsday. Okay? They'll build bunkers. They have food. They're stored up. I mean, there's, there's a show. And then at the end of the show, the people rate them and kind of go, okay, well, you're like eight out of nine and this stuff. These are Doomsday Preppers. 
And I'm thinking, I'm writing addresses down, okay, well, there's a doomsday. I know where to go where if I need to be saved. And I was like, kidding me? They're showing me right on TV. What's? But I know a lot of people who have stored up food, a lot of people. But this is what unbelievers think about. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? But here the Word of God says, guys, our Father knows all the needs, basically, of everything that we need. He knows it. And let's be honest, we haven't skipped very many meals, have we? Not on, not on, not on purpose. I mean, sometimes we forget. I wish I could be one of those like, I forgot to eat lunch today. Are you kidding me? I'm like, it's only 10, let's eat. Right? Right? (laughs) So what is the Lord saying? Here's what he's saying, guys, and he's going to sum it up in these last two verses. He says, guys, don't worry. I'm not telling you to be happy. What I'm telling you is to be holy. How so? Look at verse 33. He says, but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry of its own things. Sufficient is the day of its own trouble. Guys, don't worry. Seek God. Seek the Lord and his right. All these things are going to be added. What things? Oh, wait, Pastor Ben. God just said that he's going to give me everything you need, the brand new car, the brand new house. All the, No, no, no. He's talking about food, clothing, and shelter. He's, he's going to give you those things. Now, if he blesses you with extra, praise God. He does. Listen. Our Heavenly Father is not sitting out there with his hands on his hips going, No, not for you. You only get clothes, and you get second-hand clothes at that. That's not God. God has blessed us. He has blessed us, and we're sitting there going, and what he wants is just grateful hearts going, God, thank you. And what he wants to do when he gives you raises, what he wants to do when he gives you bonuses, what he wants you to do is not to hoard it up, but to be, let me, let me see what I can do. In the body of Christ. Let me bless a single mom with gross. Could you imagine what you could do if you spent $80 helping a single mom with kids? Just bless her. What we could do. Guys, we are called to turn Lubbock upside down for his kingdom. And when she comes and go, why would you do that? You go, because God has been so good to me. And he's blessed me. And what am I going to do with an extra $80? Spend it on me? No, I want to bless you. And then all of a sudden, God's going, watch this. And he blesses you. Here's what the Bible says. You can't outgive God. And so you're frustrated because you keep blessing people and he keeps blessing you. Has God not proved him time and time again in your life? He's brought us food. He wants us to grow up, guys, as disciples. He says, follow me. Be my disciples. If we're going, Eva, if we're going to do the work of the Lord, we can't be worried about stuff like that. We got to go, I trust you. Let's go. That's what the disciples did. That's what the disciples did. They said, that stuff's taken care of. Food, clothing, shelter. God, you got this. You got this. Now I can focus on the kingdom. Okay. Our kingdom. Where is it? Neighborhoods, right? Across the street. Our kingdom. Just focus. Focus on that. Now, Jesus just told us. He exhorted us. Can I get an amen? Paul reiterates that. Let me just say it again, okay, as we close. The Apostle Paul, guys, puts it the same way. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. He says, let your requests be made known to God. This is what Paul says. Let me get, let me just simplify it. Here's what Paul says. Don't worry about nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He says, but in everything by prayer. Now, let me stop right there. Let me stop right there, okay? Because when Paul says don't worry about nothing does not mean that we don't act on certain situations. You know people who go, oh, it'll work out, but they don't do anything about it. Oh, it'll work out, but that's not what I'm talking about. Because it doesn't work, just work out. What, what you have to do is by prayer, he says. He says, don't worry about it, but pray. Just give it to God in prayer. You know what that word prayer means? It's worship. He says, guys, here's what you can do. Next time you want to worry, worship. Just worship. 
Next time you start freaking out and you got anxiety, put on worship music and just worship the Lord. Just give it to God. Watch what he'll do. He says, he says, man, and then, and then what you do is with supplication and thanksgiving, start praising the Lord. Lord, thank you. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my clothes. Thank you for my food. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you, God. Thank you that I have a shower. Thank you that I have gas. Thank you that I have a phone. Thank you that I, I mean, just start thanking him and you realize, my goodness. What was I worried about? What was I worried about? And he says, after you've done that, then go ahead and ask him. It says, let your request be made known to God. He says, when you've done that, then ask him. You know what I, if you fully follow this prescription, when you get to the asking part, you realize that you were asking him and you go, oh, never mind. I'm good. God, you're awesome. Because he starts knocking on your heart and goes, you know what you were asking for? Yeah, Lord, it was completely self. I was worried about selfish stuff and it just, it's not worth, yeah. yeah. I trust me, guys, if we truly live to follow God, we'll be blessed. And that doesn't mean financially. That doesn't mean, it means God is going to bless us in ways that we could not imagine. He's going to bless us with health, and he's going to bless us with, oh, my goodness, so good. So good. He's going to bless us with the things we need. So Jesus and the Apostle Paul is teaching. They're not teaching, don't worry, be happy. What's he teaching? Don't worry, be holy. Gracious God in heaven, we thank you. Father, I have just preached it, taught it. Help me to live it. Lord, help me to take every thought captive when I start to worry, when I start to worry about family, when I start to worry about friends, when I start to worry about money. And Lord, let me take every thought captive. You got this, God. Help me to store what I do have, God. Help me to store um, more treasures in heaven. Help me to give to win people to the kingdom. Lord Jesus, we don't want to be a church um, that just wants to be on TV and, and, and famous. God, we really want to turn Lubbock upside down with people, with loving people. I don't know what that means with such a small body, but God, if you could use us, much like you use Israel, God, to change the world, then we're on board. But Lord, it starts right here behind this pulpit. And so Lord, Lord, help us to give, to share, to bless. Help us to be aware. Lord, let us be sensitive by the power of your Holy Spirit to those who are truly in need, God. And we think about the widows and the orphans, God, and we think about those that are struggling and And Lord, help us to bless our body first. But if there's anyone else out there, Lord, that we can bless. God, I think of, I think of even now, God, the, the children that are going to go to school in a week or two that won't have backpack or won't have clothes or shoes. Lord, can we, can, can we be sensitive to that, Lord? What can we do? And it may not be $80 or $100 or $200. It might be $50. Hey, take this and, and buy some shoes. Lord, if we are, if we are very gifted in worrying, God, then we lay it at your feet. It's so interesting that Pastor Soph mentioned that in his prayer this morning, which I know that you were confirming. Lord, we lay our worry and anxiety at your feet. We trust you. We trust you, and we pray that you move in our lives. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you recall, number eight on our list was death. And there's a lot of people who worry about death because they're simply not saved. So if you're here today and or you're watching online and you have not fully given your life to the Lord and you're worried about where you'll spend eternity, let me give you some good news. Jesus is knocking on your heart right now and he's saying, come to me. 
if you put your faith and trust in me, you don't have to worry about death. For the Christian, we don't worry about death because for us, it's nothing more than we're moving. We're moving from here to eternity. And you can do that too. You go, well, what do I need to do? Well, just open up your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, be my friend. I choose to follow you forever. I'm yours in Jesus' name. And if you truly mean that with all of your heart, God's going to save you. He's going to bless you. He's going to use you. It's going to be amazing. So we love you guys. We love you. We love you. Let's worship. And thank you. Thank you so much, God, for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.